Why don't we welcome Daniel? Daniel is a dear friend. He's one of the um, elders uh, in Cambridge, as is Matthew, who's doing our sound to the elders together um, at City Church Cambridge. Um, you are a dear friend and brother to me. I always say you're not old enough to be, but you're a bit like an embarrassing dad to me. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but Daniel, uh, many of you will know him because he loves Life Church. And in many, many ways, you have served us so well as a church family. You have blessed us with your time uh, and uh, all that you are. Uh, so we love having you with us. It's really good. If you don't know Daniel yet, come pester him uh, over lunch. Get to know him. Um, he is wonderful. Um, uh, Anna and the boys can't be here today, but come ask after them and how they're doing. But um, it's so good to have you with us. Can I pray? Yeah. Father God, as we... Um, yeah, as we hear what Daniel has to share with us, as we open the truth of your words, we pray you would speak to us by your spirit. Amen. Thank you so much, Luke. Oh, just so good to be here. I want to give you a big picture of the Holy Spirit and just remind us that he doesn't exist just as like a can of Red Bull to give us a bit of extra something. He doesn't exist just to make worship leaders a little bit better than they would have been. He is God from beginning to end, the Alpha and the Omega, the uncreated one. And the Holy Spirit is holy. We mustn't forget that. It's a great joy to be in his presence, to know him. But he is holy, as in the holy of holies the place of his presence. So, I want us to understand that the Bible tells one story. From beginning to end, it's telling one story. One story of a God who comes, makes his presence known to us, who created us and wants to be with us. And when we rebelled, he came so that there could be a new and living way to be with him, and now he is with us. So I would say an accurate view of the Holy Spirit is a big view. So this theologian, Karl Barth, said, the triunity of God is the secret of his beauty. Have you ever thought about the Trinity? The Trinity isn't some strange theological curiosity. The, the, the Trinity is who God is, and therefore really important that we understand who he is. And I'm going to illustrate just one aspect of the beauty of the Trinity by using Luke and Beth and Esther as an example. So if God was just one and he claimed to be love before the beginning of the earth, before anything had been created, that would be a completely hollow statement, totally without any evidence. How could he love if there's no one to love? But he doesn't say he's one, he says he's three. Imagine he was two. Imagine Luke, as a single man, met Beth. And now, he can love her. Two people can love each other. We can understand that. So, if God was two, and before the creation of the earth, he said, I am love, yes, that could be true. That could be intrinsic to his character. But he goes even further. 
three in one. Two can love each other, but three opens up all new vistas of possibility when it comes to love because two can work together to love a third. So when Luke was a student, as I met him in the early days, you know, he didn't have to worry about sharing his house and his life with another person. But then they got married, and uh, I remember getting a phone call from Beth's pastor just to make sure that I was a good guy and that, that he, you know, they were going to be in a good church and she was being well looked after. And uh, they could love each other, they could make sacrifices for each other, they grew. But now you as a church have experienced them having a baby. Luke's never been married to a mum. Beth's never been married to a dad. And now the two of them can decide how they are going to sacrifice to love this third. The, the Trinity is so rich and deep and good. It's not a strange curiosity. It is who God is and the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God before all creation. This is uh, the Lord of the Rings. It's quite hard to see on this screen at the moment, but in the long and sprawling Lord of the Rings story, one of the main characters appears first in the, uh, in the pub at Bree, and they call him Strider, and he's a ranger from the north. But it turns out over the books that he is the king who is in the title of the third book, The Return of the King. This character, he doesn't change who he is, but his identity is slowly being revealed as the story unfolds. And that's true of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible. He hasn't changed, but his place in the story and uh, his identity is being revealed as the story goes on. So I think it's good to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit, on the one hand, is mysterious, but on the other hand, is personal. The Holy Spirit is our creator. He's eternal. He's a dove. He's a wind. He's fire. You know, these are more mysterious words, but he's also a person. He empowers us. He guides us, comforts us cautions us, teaches us. So let's have a look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Because you don't have to look under rocks to find the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Have you ever come across Where's Wally? You know, you get this book and you look through it with a fine tooth comb trying to find Wally. Well, we can look at the Old Testament a bit like that and think, where's the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Not only is the Holy Spirit in that drawing, the Holy Spirit did the drawing. The Holy Spirit created the gallery that the drawing is being displayed in. He is the creator. So the Holy Spirit, appears at creation from the very first words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Spirit hovered over the water. Now let's imagine what's going on. Let's just make sure we understand the big picture, okay? God doesn't get bored and think like your kids do on a Saturday afternoon, I want to make something. And so they get the Lego out. God didn't think, I'm bored, I want to make something, I'll make creation. God thought, I want to have a relationship with mankind. 
And in order to do that, I need a temple to meet with them in. And so he made creation as the temple and put us into it so that we could meet with God. So the Garden of Eden is that first temple where Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. Think of creation as that temple, that temple that's now gone wrong. Adam and Eve sinned and were thrown out of the presence of God. But the Holy Spirit's story continued. He comes on a young boy called Joseph. So when Joseph is dragged out of prison to appear before Pharaoh and interpret dreams, Pharaoh says, Pharaoh, a non-Christian, says the Spirit is in him. The Holy Spirit is on the people in the desert. So it says in Isaiah that God put in the midst of them his Holy Spirit as they were in the desert. The Holy Spirit was with his people. This doesn't just happen in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit was in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. People think that there's a massive disconnection between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and there isn't. It's a continuation of the same story. So in the Old Testament, you get this situation where people offer the wrong kind of sacrifice to God, or they reach out and they touch the ark in a way that they shouldn't, and they are killed because God is holy. The Holy Spirit in the Holy of Holies. In Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira hypocritically lie to God and are killed. That's not an Old Testament story. That's a New Testament story. These early rebellions are put down because God will not be messed with. He is the Holy of Holies. He was with them. On a special day, special people could go in there under special circumstances, but he was with them. He came on Bezaliel, Bezaleliel, in order to help him create the meeting place with God. Just think about this for a second, okay? Continuity. The Spirit gives gifts to a person who is trying to build up the temple. That's exactly the way the Holy Spirit's talked about in the New Testament. He gives gifts so that we can build up the people of God, which is the temple. Continuity. The Holy Spirit is coming on these people, coming on Joshua, coming on Othniel. You know Othniel. You've got a poster of him on your wall at home, one of the judges. He comes on Gideon. In fact, this scrawny little Gideon at the bottom of a pit, God says, no, you've got too many resources. You need to thin out your army so that I can be glorified. The Holy Spirit comes on Samson, another judge. The Holy Spirit comes on Saul and very scarily leaves Saul, doesn't he? In fact, David must have that in mind in Psalm 50 when he says, please, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. The Holy Spirit comes on David in all sorts of ways, including when he plays his, his harp. The Holy Spirit comes on the prophet Ezekiel, the Spirit entered into me. The Holy Spirit is not under rocks in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. And then Jesus comes. The Holy Spirit is no longer coming on one or two people, but on everyone. The Holy Spirit comes on everyone. 
I don't know if you've seen uh, the film Schindler's List. Um, oh, this fine young man says that he comes on all people, indiscriminate manner, without regard to social distinction. I think that's such a, a great idea and so true. Hands up if you've seen the film Schindler's List. Okay, you can't quite see it from this image, but um, unusually, uh, Steven Spielberg decided to film this in black and white, even though it came out in the early 90s. And um, he was telling the story of the Holocaust, which is a massive, massive, sprawling story that uh, unfolded over years and involved millions of people. It's a big story. The Old Testament is a big story. So one of the things Steven Spielberg decided to do was to include this little girl in her red dress. You can't see that it's a red dress in this light. I don't know if you remember from the film, but she doesn't have any scenes where she's got any lines. She's never the star of any scene. She's in the background. This is the most prominent shot of her in the whole film. But what Steven Spielberg does is he just chooses one person that you can follow throughout the film. A little girl in her red dress in the background, and one of the last scenes is of a pile of clothes left behind by all the people that had been killed, and in that pile of clothes is the red, the red coat. He takes a big story, and he follows one tiny story to give you the scale of the big story. And I just want to do that very briefly before we end. Take one story or one idea from the Old Testament. So if you've got a Bible and you can look at Numbers chapter 11. Chapter 11 and verse 24, Numbers 11, 24. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord. And he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. So it's not just on him anymore. As soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not continue doing it. It was just in that moment. Now two men remained in the camp. Maybe their car had broken down. Maybe they'd slept through their alarm. But they remained in the camp. One named Eldad and the other named Medad. And the spirit rested on them. They weren't even there. They weren't even there and the spirit came on them. They were among those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent. So they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth, said, My Lord Moses, stop them. But Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. Can you hear Moses' heart? I, <laughs> Joshua, shut up. I wish everybody could prophesy. I wish the Holy Spirit would come on everybody. That is the little red dress. That is the heart of Moses. You hear it again from Luke. Uh, sorry, from Paul. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, I wish that all could prophesy. I speak in tongues more than any of you. The difference between Moses' generation and Paul's generation is Pentecost. Jesus. Jesus entered into the tabernacle, the Lamb of God. He was offered as the perfect sacrifice. And what happened? The curtain that separates the Holy Spirit from the people of God was torn in two from top to bottom so that we can come by a new and living way. And the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. So when Moses cries out, I wish that all God's people could prophesy, it's just dreaming. When Paul says, I wish that all of you could prophesy, he's telling them how to live because it can be like this now. The Holy Spirit has come on all of us. The Holy Spirit made creation as a temple for us to meet with God. That's lost. There was a tiny, tiny whisper of it in the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, then the temple. But now Jesus has come to make a way and we are the temple. This now is the Holy of Holies. This is perfect creation. This is where the Holy Spirit is. The Holy, 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 Holy Spirit loves to be with you, was made to be with you. The Trinity working together in clever and incredible, sacrificial, thoughtful ways to love us, to bring the Holy Spirit to us. An accurate view of the Holy Spirit is a big and personal view. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for us all, your people. I was just so delighted by how many people came and contributed, and I just want to add my prayer, Lord, to what you're doing in our hearts today. Draw us to you. Help us to know that you are holy. You're not to be trifled with, but you are to be enjoyed, walked with, talked to, guided by, empowered by. Lord, there is nothing that you have ever done in any place on earth that you might not do here now because you are God with us. Help us to know your closeness. Help us to know your power. Help us to know that you have crossed heaven and earth to be with us. Thank you, Lord, that Christianity is not do. Christianity is done. You have made it possible. You have poured out your spirit. I pray that we would know you more deeply, Lord God. I want to pray for every person in this room, Father. Come by your spirit now. Where there's healing that is needed, minister your healing, Lord God. Surprise us with your kindness today. Surprise us with your honor. Surprise us with your goodness, Lord God. Amen.
just tell one story before we break. Years ago, I took a team of about 20, 20-year-olds to Turkey for a mission trip. I met them at the airport, took them to a mission trip in Turkey. We were deep in the interior of Turkey, which is an absolutely massive country. It sort of starts in, in Europe and, and ends deep in the Middle East. And we were right in the middle, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, we were looking for somewhere to eat, so we went into this basically a, a restaurant kind of in someone's house. And um, they were very welcoming, as they are in the Middle East. But this, um, this man, who was obviously the, the patron of the, the house, the father of the house, an older man, spotted me. He recognized that I was obviously leading this group, telling people what to do and where to sit and liaising with him. He recognized me as the leader. And so he made everyone sit down, and he made me stand up, and he poured fragrant oil on his hands, and he covered my face with oil. Like, he didn't speak any English. I didn't speak any Turkish. He rubbed the oil through my hair, put it on my face, and he just honored me. He got everyone to clap me. I mean, I didn't really know what was happening, but I felt loved. I felt seen. I felt honored. I felt like I'd been blessed. And for the first time, there was genuinely oil running down my face through my beard, which is what the Bible talks about, isn't it? And I'd never experienced anything like that. It was a surprise. It was an ambush. It was a joy. And I just sense that God is doing that today. God is doing that in our hearts. He's doing that in your life. Respond to those moments where God speaks to you that way. Great.